Welcome everybody to another episode of Improv Exchange with Leander Young, where we dig into conversations with seasonal musicians to discuss their life, art, and the faith of jazz as we see it. In this episode, we interview the multi-intermentalist from Baltimore, Maryland, Warren Wolf. He recently released his latest album, Reincarnation, and when I say it's a killer, trust me, it's a killer. Sir, introduce yourself to the people, please. What's happening, everybody? This is Warren Wolf. Uh, being quarantined in the house, but everything is cool. <laughs> I feel you on that. If you ever seen the images of New York right now, it's a ghost town. Yeah, I saw some clips uh, from like CNN, and they they showed like a uh, Times Square. I was like, "Damn, wow!" <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> no. We'll get back into the quarantine stuff in a second, but yeah, tell the people a bit about yourself. So I am a. Uh, I won't call myself necessarily a jazz musician, but that's what primarily people know me for. But I'm, I'm a musician who've been uh, playing professionally now for about 20 years. Uh, I'm also an educator. I have, I uh, work currently at the uh, Peabody Conservatory in Baltimore, Maryland, which is a part of the John Hopkins University. And also I work at the uh, San Francisco Conservatory of Music in San Francisco, California. And uh, I am a recording artist for the uh, Mac Avenue label, and I represent uh, Malatech, which is my uh, company for uh, the great vibraphones, along with uh, you know other people who represent that co- that company include Joe Locke, Stefan Harris, and uh, uh, Tony Maselli, and Dave Friedman, many others. So, uh, definitely, uh, thank you for having us, and thanks for coming on the show. But like I said. So I know you from your original album with Mac Avenue, Warren Wolf. And first thing I must say is that how you transitioned more from a straight ahead jazz to more of a smooth, mm-hmm. show, which I was, I admit I love it, especially the third <laughs> song on that album. How do you say it? Yeah. Vibing? Which one? Vibing. Yeah, vibing. That's what it is. That is real. Like, that is real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you know, a lot of people... The thing is, I've always been this musician. I just, uh, I just decided to just concentrate in jazz for a while because that's the most freedom that I can get playing any type of music. But growing up as a kid, you know, listening to my dad and his band play back in the day, they used to play a whole bunch of stuff like what I like to do. They played a whole bunch of straight ahead jazz, and they would turn around and flip, flip out some uh, Anita Baker to the Yellow Jacket, Spiral Gyra, and even some Motown. You know. Uh, Grover Washington, they would play all of that type of stuff and then come back around and play something by Freddie Hubbard or Miles Davis. Nice. So it's always been in me to play this type of stuff. But until recently, I would say about two years ago, I had a couple people telling me, they said, man, Warren, you've been swinging now for 20 years. It's never going to leave. Everybody knows you can do that. What else do you have to say? Why don't, why don't you try something else and you know, let other people hear another side of you? And I didn't want to do it because I always thought that people would abandon me, like my fans. Yeah. But then I was like, you know what? If the true fans will will like anything I do, because music is music, it's either good music and and bad music. And you know, I there were a couple of people who, who kind of resented this new record. But then again, I'm picking up a whole bunch of new followers. Uh, like most notably, I'm I'm very shocked and and happy and surprised that 
a lot of people in the smooth jazz world are calling me now for interviews and, and work. So I'm just like, all right, cool. That's what I want to work. And that's the thing about jazz that even I experienced and some of my other guests that I had on before that jazz is in this weird spot where it's like, it has to be this way done a certain way. You have to dress a certain style. And yeah. a lot of people feel like they're turning their backs to the fans. Mm-hmm. And you, some of them still have the dreaded, seven minute solo if you know what i mean in jam sessions. of course so of that's course something that always bugged me <laughs> yeah you know a lot of musicians they seem to um you know they came i would say they're stuck somewhere around like the 1950s and 60s i mean there are a select few who are moving the music along i mean a lot of people i'm, I'm not going to just name drop and say like like the automatic answer most people will always say will be robert glasper but I'm not going to say just him. I mean, there are a lot of many wonderful artists out here who are doing different things. It might not be on the same popularity level as Glassboro or others, but, you know, um, there are some people out here doing some wonderful things. But then there, uh, there's a whole nother crowd out here who just want to be the next version of uh, Freddie Hubbard. The next I yeah. want to be the next this, Miles you know, they, Davis you and know, Charlie Parker. Yeah, I yeah, I'm that. just I like, dude, be yourself, be yourself, <laughs> fit in with the times. And get a full base going. Well, pretty much. Since you're a professor, let's go into some questions I have on you. What is one thing you learned or have learned both in experience about the academic world versus the real world? Um, uh, let's see. I, I can answer that kind of in two different ways. When I was in school, I realized that half of the stuff they teach you in the academic world was, was complete bullshit. <laughs> well said, man. <laughs> If I, if I had to just put it out there like that, um, I went to Berkeley College of Music. It's a great school. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But half the classes up there that I have taken and other people have taken, I'm just like, okay, they created this class just to get your money. It's not needed. <laughs> um, I feel like but then again, in all majors. And yeah, <laughs> definitely. But it, then you have the, like the program I'm at, the Peabody. Mm-hmm. I feel everybody. And I'm not saying that just because I've worked there or if I'm not afraid of anybody's listening, but the guys at, the, at my school and, and we have one, one young lady, Sharon A. Wade, we're teaching our, our kids what it means to be a jazz musician today. You know, we, we, we go back and teach them that stuff, like the old stuff from Charlie Parker, especially like our younger students, the, the students who are like 17 or 18. But when I'll speak for myself, when they come to me, Anybody who comes comes my way, I'm just saying, okay, we can do that, but I want to help you survive out here when once you get out of school. What's your plan once you get out of here? And chances are you're not going to be playing like this. You're not going to be sitting up and, and playing bebop scales all day and things like that. Again, it's important to know it, but, you know, let's, you know, there's a whole wide range of music out here that's, you know, outside of straight ahead jazz that we can that we can use your jazz churning for, you know, but you don't necessarily have to be up here trying to be like the next the next, you know, throw somebody name and, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I understand. So, uh, so how do students but, uh, currently see the jazz world? Uh, it's kind of hard for me to say. I mean, I can only live through most people's eyes. Uh, from what I, from what I hear, like a friend of mine, of mine was telling me the other day, we were talking, he lives in New York, a fellow pianist. And he was said, man, the jazz world there. Well, he said, there's no scene anymore in New York. You know, it's just a place where everybody just happens to live. And not saying New York speaks for the whole j- thing, but um, 
To be honest, I mean, overall, when I'm thinking about it, I'm looking at it from the educational side, like the number of students who are coming up, and there's some good ones. Uh, uh, you know, I think it's good. I think we're in a good place. Um, it's less and less places to play, though, so That's a lot of students are creating their own gigs. Um, and if there are places to play, the club owners... Um, have some of these venues peoples. compared to you know yeah they're not they're paying they're paying us pennies, and sometimes we have to fight for you know just to get a, a great salary. So um, you know it's 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 cool. I'll, I'll say it. I'll say it's safe. We're we're in good hands right now. But you know let's just see what happens, especially as people like myself get older. Because right now I'm I'm still at that quote-unquote young age but eventually i will say in about 10 or 15 years people are going to start looking at me as like okay i'm the the old the old dude <laughs> so the old dude they're gonna be looking at, yeah we're gonna be looking at some 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 other folks these younger guys coming up who's going to be trying to take the spots that i have which is great so you know we'll see what happens and what do students expect once they graduate or what do you think they expect um that that it's very different for everybody. I've come across some students who automatically want to, you know, be a leader um, and be out there touring the world. I have other students who want to be, uh, you know, they want to have a mentorship. They want to be in somebody's band and just go go under them. Um, and then th- there's some other ones who 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 they want to play, but they also have other goals in life. I mean, it's still in the music world. Like uh, some students want want to get into uh, recording. Some guys want to get into film scoring. So it just all depends. Um, I think those roads are smart, but you know, like the name of the game, it's all depending on who you know and who you are as a person. You know, as long as you're in the right spot at the right time, you know, a lot of these, uh, because of the use of technology and music technology with the computers and things like that, even the symphony, uh, I'm sorry, like studio jobs are becoming less and less because people can get these great sounds out of logic and reasons and proteins and things like that. So, um, it's gotta be on top of your game. Every one of us. So, okay. So what would you tell someone or give a, what advice would you give someone going into the music field right now? Practice as much as you possibly can and be at the top of your game. Um, you know, like have many years of focused study and study all types of music if you possibly can, just so you can always be ready. Check out everything from jazz to classical, pop, R&B, hip hop, country, metal. You know, you just want to have some type of knowledge of, of uh, all of these different styles of music and just meet as many meet as many uh, people as you possibly can, just so you can you won't be stuck in stuck in this box. Uh, if we're talking jazz right now, you know a lot of, or just any type of music. You know, if somebody was was strictly in in hip hop and R and B, and then they all of a sudden just coming over to the jazz side, people are not going to take them seriously. Same thing, vice versa. You know, it's, it's very few people who can do that. One person who comes to mind who does that, a couple people come to mind is uh, Keon Harold on trumpet, uh, Kareem Briggins. You know, two those two guys are kind of like my favorite artists who can easily bounce back and forth, and they have respect in both genres of music. But you know, you, you just want to be able to be able to work in all styles if that's what you desire. Okay, that's actually pretty good. Uh, what is something people seem to misunderstand about the music world, especially nowadays? That we are <laughs> quote unquote rock stars. <laughs> um, 
I have I have friends. I'll just start. I can just take some friends of mine who have nothing to do with music, and even certain family members. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, like I have people in my family say to me, "We know you have a big old house. You know, we oh, know that you're making. <laughs> you know, you, you can't be on the on the plane traveling and being gone that much. We know you have like millions of dollars." you know, tucked away and stuff like that. And I'm like, it's really not like that. I was like, you guys will be surprised to see some of these places that, that we stay at in, in the hotels. And, you know, I'm not flying first class all the time. Sometimes we economy right in the middle seat. Um, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that just for me, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually living an, an okay, decent life, but you know, a lot of people think we, we just got it made. Um, don't get me wrong. It, it is a blessing for what we do. We don't have to wake up and actually go and answer to somebody. But uh, it's a tough life, but it, it does have its uh, positive rewards. And, you know, there's some negativity to it as well. But, you know, a lot of a lot of bad stuff can, can happen on the road uh, and being in this life as well. But, you know, it's all depending on how you live it. Uh, I feel you on that. also. <laughs> <laughs> People yeah, always see, know about you get into stuff. a magazine, they think now you made it and you have all the money in the world. I fully understand that. Oh yeah. The moment they see your name or they see you got a cover story, you know, it's nice. It's nice to share. I've shared at least five five stories that people have covered on me and Downbeat magazine. But does it really mean that oh that's gonna take you somewhere else? You're you're on top of the world. Not really. You know, more people might know about you. you might you know, how many people outside of the music business really know what downbeat magazine is or jazz times, you know, how many people are in the, will walk in the store and go to the magazine section and say, Hmm, let me check out this, this downbeat magazine. You know, that magazine is mostly for musicians or, and fans of jazz. Not Same thing fans. with jazz times. So, yeah. you know, no, I agree, but at least you know. downbeat as much as I kind of disliked them, I liked them because they gave me a shout out two times and they mm-hmm. are starting to interview more and more younger people. So yep. I got to give them credit on that. <laughs> no, I, I love the magazine. I mean, when I read, I read that magazine every month. I subscribe to it. So that shows right there. I love it. Uh, one of my main reasons for actually checking out that magazine is honestly to see who's doing what, like far as what new albums are out, because you can't find anything in the stores now. <laughs> so well I have no idea what's out now unless I just happen to go on iTunes and go to the jazz section to say, oh, okay, that's out. But I like to, you know, get to see what's happening on Downbeat. They they always do a great job of reviewing everybody's record, negative or positive. So I agree. Okay, so what is one thing that you notice about the music scene recently? Because, like you said, about the record stores being gone, you have to go to yeah. iTunes, Title, Spotify to find music. What else have you noticed recently that has changed dramatically? Uh, the decline of CD sales, even though I've heard that they are still selling. And I do realize that a lot of people are not into technology, especially like the older generation, but still a lot of people, they, they just don't know what to do with it anymore. For instance, like I just recently bought a new car about a year ago and, uh, my, my car doesn't have a CD player. So a couple of people have given me, let's say, Warren, hey, check out my CDs. And I'll say, thank you. But I'm just like, man, I already know where to play this thing at now. <laughs> I agree. But that's um, something else that kills young artists, because then you have to mail all these albums to this older group that only has CDs. 
And that's like a thousand dollars of shipping that kills into your profits. And then, like you said, a good amount of people don't want to learn how to use the streaming technology. So there's another Definitely. gap that is building. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I mean, I fearfully, I mean, I would rather prefer to see it because I do my le- my best listening that way. I, I just miss that whole format, like at least when people actually had it. I used to really enjoy opening up a CD and reading liner notes, reading who's playing on what. Because now that's another thing. I, ne- I never know who's playing on what nowadays. I just know, I mean, not unless you actually do some research. Um, I used to in- enjoy reading people's thank yous and where it was recorded, how it was recorded and, uh, who did the photography, you know, you don't see that stuff anymore. Um, no, I, so that, that's, that's how I chose that, my first album. At least that's yeah. how we got the studio. I chose my favorite mm-hmm. artist and my favorite album by her. And I chose that studio. So, yeah, yeah, that's how it is. Um, that's one major thing that's missing. Um, I don't. Every, I don't know. I don't. I've never really thought about anything else. But I just noticed when it comes to anything. I mean, it's not like I've been in the game that long. Twenty years may seem like a long time, but you know, it's still relatively short. But that's like the one thing that I've can see that's really changed since then. Now I've heard stories. You know, for instance, I was talking to Nicholas Payton recently, and uh, he was telling me um, about how different the fees were. Back in the nineties, mm-hmm. even when it comes to record deals, he was telling me how 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 just different, like in a in a in a good way, like compared to what it what it is now. Um, I don't want to put his numbers out there, but he told me a, a, a number that he made for his first record or his second record, Gumbo Nouveau, on the Verve label, and he told me how much they advanced him for that. I was shocked. I was like, wow. I was like, don't do advanced nowadays records anymore. <laughs> Yeah, nowadays people do a record. Nowadays, the number that he told me just take away two zeros. <laughs> I was like, man, oh. you know, it's pretty. It was pretty awesome. So, okay, so where do you think Jazz will be in ten years? Um, hmm, I think there's going to be a resurgence in um. Uh, and 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 like the uh, jazz fusion style for some reason, it seems like all of these styles come around, and and then they 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 disappear or something like that. I, I don't know. Uh, let's see, ten years, all these younger folks are coming out. Actually, I, I like. A, I'm gonna give you an honest answer. I think jazz and uh, electronic music it will be taking over. That I I see a lot. To. Yeah, I, I kind of see that. I see a lot of people like doing a lot of keyboard sampling and, uh, you know, stuff like that, you know, live instrumenta- instrumentation with drum and bass, but still in using jazz harmonies. I, I could probably see that happening. Um, hopefully some of, uh, the younger folks will try to appeal more to their generation, people of their age, so that way they can get, um, they can like the music, you know, as well. Uh, right now, I see just a lot of older musicians, or at least the older generation, that audience, they, they're the main ones who are coming out, you know. Like, for instance, right now, I'm with the SF Jazz Collective. Even though our entire uh, tour, our spring tour was canceled, uh, a few shows that we've done in the past, and we're playing all this hip stuff, you know, with a lot of rhythms, got some got some beats. And we look in the audience and we just see 
you know, a whole bunch of um, old folks. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that because people bought a ticket. A ticket is a ticket. We're still getting paid the same dollar. But it's very nice sometimes when you actually look in the audience, you see somebody who actually look your age and uh, you see some, you know, nice, beautiful couples out there who's just enjoying the music, you know. Um, well, I, I would like to play that. for those type of folks, too. No, I agree. But that's one thing that came up one day, like last year, and the kid is supposed to come on in a few weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. I go to an open mic. In the zinc bar, they canceled mm-hmm. the open mic, and they had this kid there performing Drake with jazz. Now, how was that? It was weird. <laughs> it sounded okay. interesting. I'm not saying it sounded bad, but I never saw the place so yeah. full on a Wednesday night. Never. I'm telling you, you it's it was a catch. People taking these, yeah. And they were all people take age. these ideas and they run with it. I mean, I think one of the first things I saw that was kind of different. That I have not. I haven't seen it in live, but I've seen it like on video. Was when uh, Nas did the um, he did some concerts with the uh, National Symphony Orchestra in in Washington D.C. and they play all of his hits, you know, complete with the full orchestra, and it was just, it was really cool. And you know, and I see why the symphonies are doing that because just like jazz, symphony orchestras, you know, they're losing a lot of their people who would normally come because that you know they. Pretty much playing the uh, you know the the very old pieces that's like two hundred years older than jazz probably, so they're trying to freshen that up. Let's let's get this hip hop artist in here. Let's get this person of of today. Let's get him to play with us. Music now let's scores. go do some all that movie stuff. night at at the symphony. You know, just to try to freshen it up and keep keep younger folks coming. But yeah, that's very interesting. Drake and jazz. I mean. Yeah. Something like that could be very appealing, and and people, a lot of people like Drake, so they probably want to go hear his music. They probably know don't know who this person is who is doing the music, but he'll gain like easily before the night is over five hundred new fans. <laughs> so it makes me want to do something one day, maybe because oh. I'm a I'm a big fan of Tupac Shakur. I might go do a record, <laughs> Warren Wolf Jazz with Tupac. with the music of Tupac or and something. You like know that. something? I would be there listening to that. It's not in the studio. <laughs> So, yeah. as a vibraphonist, you're uh-huh. not really in demand. How does that affect you and your colleagues? How does what affect me? What do you mean? The thought that the mainstream doesn't see the vibraphone as an instrument in demand until they probably he- see you play. Uh, well, well, that's the answer right there. Okay. It doesn't affect me at all. Um, the vibes is very different. I think it's a lovely instrument, not just because I'm playing it, but it's, it's something cool to look at. You know, um, I believe honestly, if somebody were to actually have that instrument live somewhere on TV, the Grammys, the voice, whatever, I think people would just be like, wow, let's, let's start hiring more vibes, more vibes players in, in this setting outside of jazz, because primarily this is just a jazz instrument. I think one person was doing that really well, even though I don't, I don't know if he's playing, um, this stuff live on like hip hop or, R&B sessions or whatever. His name is Justin Thomas. He calls himself Justified. He's also from Baltimore. He's a good friend of mine. Went to the same high school as me. He's about 10 years, 10 years younger though. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he went to Oberlin College in uh, Ohio. And then I remember when he graduated, I think he moved to Chicago for a little bit. He was on the jazz scene out there. So I knew when he was about to leave Chicago, I said, so what are you doing, man? You moved to New York so you can you know, there's, I said, there's plenty of room out here in the jazz world for you. And he said, nah, I think I'm going to go to L.A. And I was like, why L.A.? Why are you doing that? And he was like, you know, I got some stuff that I want to try out there. And he's been out there 
collaborating with uh, folks like Eminem and and a whole bunch of indie pop artists. So I'm re- I'm really proud of him. And it's not that he's really playing like the 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 I call it the acoustic vibes. He's playing like the the Mallet Cat vibes, the electronic version, which is the same version that Rory Ayers plays now. Nice. So he's out there making wonders and doing wonderful things about that instrument. So. Um, you know, if I believe he's he can be a start for many of us to cross over a little bit more. So, oh, that's very informative. So, next thing, mm-hmm. if you could turn back time, talk to your eighteen-year-old self, would you talk him mm-hmm. out of being a musician? What type of advice would you give him? <laughs> um, if I were eighteen, I would tell myself. Well, if I could go back and tell my eighteen-year-old self something, I would say just to collaborate with more people who was at Berkeley at the time. I went to school with some amazing artists who are doing great things in the music world right now. Um, I had a very jazzy attitude when I first got to Berkeley. I got there when I was 17, actually. I turned 18 in November of that year. That was in 1997. And, um, I basically had the attitude of, if you don't play jazz, leave me alone. Because I was just so trying to be, you know, just trying to learn everything, you know, about about that art form. And, you know, and I, I had a great time doing it. You know, I used to collaborate very often with uh, Walter Smith, who is now chair of the uh, Woodwind Department at Berkeley, uh, Kendrick Scott, um, and, and many others. But then I started to realize, you know, I would say halfway through that, again, many of my friends who I'm still very cool with today, they all went up there to learn jazz as well, but they started doing other things. So um, I look at like my roommate at the time, his name, his name was uh, Kevin Williams. He started a horn section. Uh, he was a tr- he's a trombone player. He started a horn section when he left Berkeley. They called themselves the Regiment Horns, and they went out on the road with Justin Timberlake for the past five years. Um my my main man, uh, Rashawn Ross, wonderful trumpet player, awesome jazz trumpet player. But he eventually went out on the road. He's been on the road with Dave Matthews for the past 12, 15 years. Uh, same thing, a guy named Andre Bowman. He's been been with Lady Gaga. Uh, you know, just many people. So many people that I know who, who went up there to study straight ahead, but they also did other things. So I would tell my 18-year-old self, you know, do some other stuff, you know, make sure you collaborate with this person, this person, this person, you know, John Mayer used to live down the hall from me and we're actually really cool, but I wish I would have collaborated with him more because I could have been, you know, doing jazz stuff, but then coming over to his side of things and doing some stuff over there. So, um, but you know, it's all good. You know, life leads you to a certain place for a certain reason. So, you know, I'm not mad at myself or anything, but I definitely would have told myself to just be more involved. You live and learn, and you got four amazing albums out of it, so I can't say anything. That's right. <laughs> so, if you could remove all the barriers, all the constraints, what project would you do, and who would be on it? Um, it would probably honestly still be this project that just came out, Reincarnation. Uh, maybe here, Reincarnation, maybe to a second degree more, like a second level more. Uh, I would love to have. Hmm. That's a hard one. That's a really hard one. Uh, Cause I'm, I'm really, really happy with that, with this last record 
that just came out. Like I'm super happy about it because uh, I love each one of those guys that I hired. So Dude, I love the album. honestly. That's kind of like that's kind of like my little band right there. I mean, even though we're not touring right now, but those are the guys that I wanted to play with. There was no second consideration. There was no well, if he can't make it, I'll call this person. When I call, when I decided to do this record, these were the guys that I had in my mind, like. Brett Williams starting with him on keys, you know, that dude, he's just phenomenal. I was like, I got to record with him, you know, because I've always been, you know, just like I just told you about the whole Berkeley thing. If I could go back and collaborate with people who did many styles, everybody on this record, they're jazz musicians at heart, but they can play everything else that I like to play. They like to play hip hop groove and, you know, gospel and all those other type of stuff. And they're very well adapted to it all. So. Yeah, it would probably be the band that I have right now. Okay. And what is the best compliment you ever received? Um, Gary Burton told me, and I, I don't go around saying this at all, but I'll never forget that he said it. We played a duo. We, when we, uh, we played duo at the Detroit Jazz Festival a few years ago. And uh, after the rehearsal, he said, Warren, I'm about to retire. I'm passing it on to you. You're the king of the vibes. Oh, that was a, that was That's... the best compliment I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing I can really say on that. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, I don't go around to saying that. I've never told anybody that, but it, it, that's something that always sticks with me. So you're the first person to hear that. <laughs> well, I'm honored and. You should be honored to even get that. The King of Vibes. You know, I should have introduced yeah. it that way. <laughs> you know, sometimes, um, sometimes, you know, I, I swear, Nicholas Payton, we're really cool, even though I haven't played with him much. He said something one day. He said, you know, jazz musicians need to come up with like these cocky titles, you know, to, to just draw more attention. It might sound really weird and conceited, but it kind of works. Like, I'm a big fan of boxing. I remember Mike Tyson said one time, and I, and I think he said it in his book. He said, nobody wants to see Mike Tyson, the kid from Brooklyn, New York. He said he had to create a moniker. So Mike Tyson, I'm the baddest man in the world. Or they, what do they, they used to call him? Uh, Iron Mike or Kid Dynamite. Yes. So, I mean, that would be kind of weird if I just go on stage and say, here we are, everybody. The king of the vibe is Warren Wolf. But then again, they did it with Lionel Hampton. They do it with Michael Jackson. They do it with Wendy Houston. They do it with all these other folks. You know, the king of something, the, the queen of R&B, the queen of soul, you know, with uh, Aretha Franklin. So maybe it's not such a bad idea. So, but, you know, I'm not I'm not ready to do that because I know somebody's going to slander me. <laughs> well, you know what? If they slander you, tell them to bring it on. Okay. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so before you go. Yeah, we always like to give a shout out or show respects to the artists that came before us. So I'm going to tell mm -hmm. you an instrument and two artists. Choose one, and if you wish, tell us why. On trumpet, Clark Terry or Art Farmer? Clark Terry. Clark Terry was just like one of the pioneers of the of of the trumpet. He was uh made the flugelhorn very like famous, uh, and he just has so much language on the instrument uh, and he's just influenced so many so many of today's musicians up until the very end okay on saxophone charlie parker or sonny rollins yeah, that's a tough one <laughs> i'm going with charlie parker 
nobody played anything more perfect than Charlie Parker, in my opinion. He's the guy that made me just listen to a lot of his recordings. He's the one that made me turn away from vibraphone players and try to do something different uh, that I wouldn't think any other vibraphone player would ever think about playing. From a young age up until today and probably 20 or 30 years from now, I'd study his playing relentlessly. He's the man. Okay. On guitar, Freddie Green or B.B. King? <laughs> uh, shit. Let me see. <laughs> let's go with, uh, let's go with B.B. King on this one. Okay. B.B. King, blues legend. Ain't nobody playing no blues like him. Uh, for me, Freddie Green is bad too. I love that comping he did, but you know, I, I want. I, sometimes I want to really feel you. I want to feel that soul when you're playing. I, I want to. I want. I want to feel it for, through your instrument. Uh, yeah, BB King is the guy. Okay, I'm bass. Percy Health or Charles Mingus? Is that Percy Heath or Charles uh, Mingus? Yes. Uh, I'll go for Charles Mingus. Um, I like his storytelling in the in and throughout his compositions. Um. I, I guess I'm answering that more from a compositional mode. I mean, I think if it came to overall playing, I'm going for for the Percy Heath. He just that's kind of a mix between the both. Percy just laid it down. Like I love his work with the modern jazz quartet, but uh, compositional wise, like what Mingus did with Eric Dolphy and all those guys back in the day, it was just something else. Okay. On keys, Herbie Hancock or Chick Corea. <laughs> that's not fair. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's, uh, I love both of those guys really much. Uh, I am going to go with. Uh, I'm going to go with Chick. Okay. <laughs> uh, Chick. Chick is just so great as a piano player. That's a great word to use. But he's so and he's so precise. Um, some of his earlier records, like Return to Forever and, um, not Return to Forever. It is Return to Forever, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was, you know, some of that stuff, um, uh, the, the, uh, electric bands with, uh, Patitucci and Weckl. Um, I, I love his, his solo on Spain on, on the, uh, earlier recordings. Yes. Um, I love his stuff from, one of my, another one of my favorite records, one he did for Bud Powell with McBride and Roy Haynes and Josh Redman and those guys. Uh, he's just great. I just love his overall feel on the piano. He he plays these lines. I'm just like, wait, what is that? You know, he he goes weaves in and out of the harmony. He's he's just bad. And that's not taking anything away from Herbie Hancock because he do, does all that stuff too. But something about Tick just pushes pushes me over the edge a little bit. For okay, on drums, Billy Cobbin. Or Gene Cooper? Um, Billy Cobham. Yeah. As a drummer. Yeah, he's just, pretty much going to be Billy anytime with me also. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Gene was bad too, but you know, Billy Cobham was just, you know, he was just, he was on another level when he came out there. It was just it was like, wow, okay. A lot of stuff. Lot, like Dennis Chambers loves him. Dennis is one of my favorite dudes. So a lot of influence, again, that a lot of drummers pulled from Billy Cobham. So. And one personally for you. Lionel mm-hmm. Hampton or Bobby Hudson? Um, I'm 
gonna go. I probably, honestly, probably Lionel Hampton. Really? Okay. Yeah, I'm. I love Bobby. Don't get me wrong. I love Bobby, but Lionel was just the king. Okay. King, king of swing, with, you know, he was also. I'm, I'm probably saying it as an overall percussionist because you know Lionel was also a great drummer. You know, uh, like I mean, he wasn't like just tapping around on the drums. He could like really play. Um, I love the entertainment factor that that Lionel uh, did with his bands. Um, you know, the fact that he's allowed to play and have a good time. Um, you know, and apparently you had sometimes you had to really drag him off the stage to stop playing. So yeah, I'm gonna go for Lionel. Okay, no, that's fair. That's fair. So like I said, Warren Wolf, everybody. So Warren, can you please tell everyone where to find your stuff, your social media, your website? Yep, you can find me on uh, the website www.warrenwolfmusic.com and my tag handle, my handle on all social medias, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter is just warrenwolf1, all one word, W-A-R-R-E-N-W-O-L-F, put the number one, and uh, I'm very active on all three. I try to post stuff all day from pictures to live videos in the in my basement when I'm just practicing toward YouTube, which I'll be doing a lot of for the next month and a half. Um, so uh, I'm around. Okay, everybody. Well, Mr. Warrant Wolf, King of Vibes, I want to say thank you for coming <laughs> on the show. And this is Leander Young from Improv Exchange. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you. That's that on jazz. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Improv Exchange. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Improv Exchange.